If Christ is king, how should the Christian consider the kingdoms of this world? What does the Bible teach us about human authority and what it means to love our neighbors and our enemies? Before we render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, let's know what it means to render unto God what is God's. This is the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, the modern prophetic voice against war and empire. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute and part of the Christians for Liberty Network. This week and every week on Biblical Anarchy, we seek to live counterculture to the empire of man and to instead seek the kingdom of God by unpacking what the Bible teaches about government, authority, and human relationships. I am your host, Jacob Winograd. For today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I got two things that I want to talk about here. One is sort of an announcement. So Libertarian Christian Institute, through our Christians for Liberty Network, we are announcing a new podcast feed. And it's going to have an impact on how I do things here on my show. So this new feed is called the LCI Green Room, open and unscripted. And the idea behind this is to be a place for long form, open and uncut conversations that aren't produced or edited. You know, I wouldn't say our current podcasts on our regular feeds are overly produced or edited, but those episodes are generally trying to be in that like 30 to 60 minute time slot and be more in that sort of like episodic edited professional style. A lot of people like to listen to that. They don't want to listen to a lot of filler words. They don't want to listen to something that's overly long, that's not focused. You know, they want to have a nice 30 to 40 minute listen while they're doing things and you know, it can be due to time constraints, can be due to just that's the style of things they want to listen to. I know, for example, my wife detests me when I send her something that, oh, you should really listen to this. They had this really cool conversation and it's like an hour and a half, two hour podcast from somebody. Whereas what she sends me is the extreme opposite of that. She sends me Instagram reels, which are, you know, a couple minutes long. So everyone has different wants, different, I guess like you could say market preferences. So we at LCI, we're good capitalists, right? We want to we wanna try to meet the different demands of those who are consuming our content and who want to hear us talk about the relationship between Christianity and libertarianism. But not everyone's going to want to listen to the same thing. And just as we have a diversity of shows, now we're going to have a diversity of format. And so the LCI Green Room is going to be the audio feed in which you can go and listen to me or someone else have a hour and a half to two hour or longer conversation with somebody. It'll also be the place where we have sort of like roundtable discussions for those of us at LCI within the Christians for Liberty Network. If we ever do anything live at different events that we're going to, it's going to be sort of the landing place for a lot of different content like that. And It'll impact this show insofar as a lot of the interviews I do end up having to be in that longer style because I'm often interviewing people about foreign policy or complex theology, current events, things like that. And 
For what I'm trying to get out of those interviews, it's hard to condense that into 30 or 40 minutes. That's not the kind of product I want to produce. And so this will be an outlet for me personally, and then also for others in the network, to have those longer form conversations and interviews and whatnot. And so those will be primarily in that audio feed. And so if that's the kind of thing you want to listen to, you can go listen to it there. And then what I'll be doing with the majority of my interviews is publishing them there and then talking about them on this audio feed, my main biblical anarchy podcast feed. If I have shorter interviews, those will still be on this feed. But for my long ones or anything I do on the green room, you'll often hear me do an episode here on this feed where I summarize or react to that conversation, kind of give you guys the key points. So for those of you who don't have the time or desire to listen to those long form interviews, you'll still be able to get the gist of what was talked about in those things and be kind of left in the loop. So we're trying to go for a best of both worlds approach here at the Biblical Anarchy Podcast. I hope that you guys can appreciate that and make sense. I'll, of course, have links for all of this in the show notes so you can go find that new audio feed. And then the other purpose of the audio feed is it'll be out there as its own independent thing. And it'll be promoting the LCI. It'll be promoting our different shows and if people listen to that and then want to go watch the original live streams themselves, you know, there'll be links for those to go watch them on YouTube or working on getting on Rumble and Odyssey and all that and getting that sorted out. So speaking of this new format that I just described to you, I have a new episode, the first one in the green room, where if you didn't listen to it already, I interviewed Kyle Anzalone again. Kyle Anzalone is a writer and podcast host over at the Libertarian Institute and for antiwar.com. Kyle's been on the show before, and we had conversations at Freedom Fest of last year where he went a little bit into the Russia-Ukraine conflict. That was a bit of a shorter interview and just kind of giving us like sort of a live brief update of like the current status back at that time. And then I had Kyle on more recently at the end of last year where we talked about the conflict that broke out between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. And so we were able to break down that conflict back then. And after this interview that Tucker Carlson had with Vladimir Putin, I thought that that was a perfect time to bring Kyle back onto the show to talk about what's going on there because it has become a topic that's more in the background after the war broke out with Israel and Hamas. And unfortunately, the war between Ukraine and Russia is still going on and money is still being requested by Zelensky and different financial aid packages are being debated over in Congress. At the time of my recording, there's a bill that has passed the Senate, but not the House yet. And so we'll have to see where that ends up for more financial aid for Ukraine. So I decided to have Kyle back on to kind of refresh us as to what's going on and how sort of like the context of the interview, the status of the war right now, how things with Israel and even things with Iran have a little bit of interplay there. So we've covered a lot of ground. I'm going to do my best to summarize the key points that we talked about. And then for those of you that want to listen to the full interview, I'll have links for that in the description. So in recent times, this conflict 
that's been going on in Eastern Europe between Russia and Ukraine became a, you know, before the Israel conflict, it's really dominated a lot of the news and the public discourse. You could almost say that it was as close as we've been to a Cold War since the end of the last Cold War. And there's been a lot of support for Ukraine. I think in my lifetime, other than Israel, I can't think of another time in which another country has received so much support from people here in America. I mean, it's not uncommon even today to see a lot of people out there with Ukrainian flags on display in front of their homes or bumper stickers on the back of their car. If you're on social media, you'll see Ukrainian flags and people's profile descriptions and things like that. Or on Facebook, you know, the equivalent of that there is present as well. And the mainstream narrative, I'd say for the most part, is that Russia is expansionist and they attacked Ukraine to try to take back more of their territory. And Putin is just trying to like rebuild the old Russian or Soviet empire. If you're lucky, you might get people who connected to a little bit of history, like going back to like 2014, 2015, and when conflict broke out back then, which kind of ended with the Minsk agreement. But you won't get a lot of people who are trying to give a very nuanced view of history here. And of course, you're going to get a very American, Western-centric view of the history, which I guess I struggle a little bit when people who maybe don't pay attention to this stuff as much as I do are just very quick to buy up these mainstream narratives. And then it's funny when like people at my church find out my positions, some people will just tend to, I think, ignore me. You know, that's Jacob. He's a little bit radical in his politics. They have other people that listen to me from time to time. And I remember like one friend from church just being like, oh, wow, I heard you mention this in passing at one point. I guess I need to look into this more because you had me feel like I've been duped or something. And, you know, it's like, listen, like this is always tough. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, like the episode I did with Jose Galison, where we kind of talked about conspiracy theories and stuff. Like it's really tough to be in this position where you're saying that the mainstream narrative is wrong because it can box you in. Like people might think you're a conspiracy theorist in the context of going full tinfoil hat and, you know, flat earth and moon landing is fake and lizard people and stuff like that, which, you know, I mean, and obviously lizard people are real, but I mean, listen, I don't, I don't completely rule everything out. Right. You know, try to keep an open mind, but in all seriousness, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist. I just think at the same time, enough has happened in our world that's been exposed that should make us realize that everything that you hear is going to come from someone who has an agenda. And listen, I have an agenda. I'm pretty open about it, right? But you should always keep in mind the agenda of the person that you're receiving information from. And you think after things like the Epstein scandal, the fact that I think it's pretty widely accepted, people know that we were kind of lied until the Iraq war. It's like, shouldn't we at least be like a little bit skeptical of what the same people are telling us about what's going on with Russia or Ukraine? And you know, it doesn't mean I'm becoming a Putin apologist or Russian apologist. So the theme that you'll hear me talk about if you listen to this full interview, and I've said it before, is that we have to, especially as Christians, get out of this mindset of viewing wars and conflicts between different states and different governing institutions and authorities 
we have to stop viewing this in the lens of like, there's a good guy and a bad guy. Because all too often, it's just rather we have bad guys and worse guys, right? And it's okay to even like assign blame more to one side than the other or to condemn certain actions. You know, Kyle and I both agree that it was wrong for Putin to invade Ukraine. I mean, we're libertarians and we're anti-war, so we're not in favor of countries invading other countries. Innocent lives get caught up in the crossfire, and I, for libertarian and Christian reasons, find that to be just morally unacceptable. However, does this mean the government of Ukraine and then the government of America are completely innocent in all this, that they were just minding their own business and then out of the blue, just for pure, like, cartoonishly evil reasons, Putin decided to invade Ukraine. So this is what we're talking about on this episode, that that narrative doesn't really hold when you start to do a little bit more research. So, I mean, the episode starts out with Kyle just giving us a summary over the last six to 12 months of Ukraine's counteroffensive, which really stalled and failed. And you know now it's actually been going on long enough that Russia is just slowly creeping and gaining back a little bit of ground, a little bit of ground. And so, you know, that's why Zelensky is kind of panicked to get more support. But one of the problems we're running into is that we're trying to give support to so many people now, including Israel, that other than money, when people want weapons and things like that, we have a hard time giving them the things that they want and the things that we have to spare aren't going to be as useful to them. So that's what we get into a little bit of that. You know, Kyle's really good at understanding and breaking down some of those military on the ground complexities and factors that are coming into play in terms of who has the advantage and what's going on in terms of the strategic considerations that these governing leaders are having to deal with and the battlefield dynamics that are at play. What kind of, you know, it's, it very much is kind of like reminiscent of an older style of war that we haven't seen in the world for a while. So it's, it's very interesting that it's kind of like the first segment of the episode of the interview, so to speak, we then kind of re-dive into just the nature of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine and talk about the international dynamics that are at play with the surrounding countries and governments and things like that. And talk about, you know, again, the horrors of war and the suffering of those caught in the crossfire of it. Again, war is horrible. I think that just war is something that looks good on paper, but even just war theory, when you research the history of it, what it actually means, an important aspect of it is exhausting all possible means of resolution that don't involve war, that would be peaceful resolutions. And so then when we get into it, it's like, all right, let's take a closer look. And we, we use the Tucker-Putin interview as sort of a foil to go back and take this closer look because it's like, all right, well, Putin made a lot of claims in the interview that Tucker had. And we talked about the interview. This was Kyle's take on it. I have a quote here. He said, Tucker's approach to the interview was noteworthy. He navigated the conversation with a balance of assertiveness and openness, prompting Putin to articulate his stance on key issues from NATO's eastward expansion to the historical context shaping Russia's actions. I mean, just even right there, like how much of that is something that if you're new to this topic, have you ever heard people talk about before in the corporate media when you're kind of hearing people break down this conflict. Uh, I'd be surprised if you heard anything like any of that. You know, so we talked about what 
Putin's viewpoint on this conflict and what Russia's position on the global stage is, then kind of went back and said, all right, well, like Putin said this, but you know, hey, we're saying you shouldn't take the corporate media at their word. We're saying you shouldn't take our governing leaders at their word. And we certainly aren't saying you should take Putin at his word. So what is the truth? Where do the facts point to? And Kyle then brings facts to bear. And what's great about Kyle, what's great about Scott, and all those at the Libertarian Institute and antiwar.com is that when you go to their, whether it's their books, their podcasts, or the articles on their website, they have the footnotes to back this stuff up. And a lot of times what they're saying is backed up by quotes from government officials themselves. We talked about over the years, different, and you can hear Scott Horton talk about this when I interviewed him last year as well. There have been so many people that have talked about how NATO expansion, how the construction of dual-purpose missile launchers along the border of Russia and in Poland and I forget the other country where they where they did it, but there's these different things that Putin and the Russians have been clear in saying, hey, these things are kind of red lines for us. And they've been saying it for years. It's not like they said it was a red line and then immediately escalated to war. No, they've been, in a lot of ways, trying to avoid war and been trying to be clear about, we don't like this. We view what you're doing as not being in our best interests from a defensive perspective. And you're putting us in a position that we might have to respond in kind to keep the balance of power. And it's not even, I want to be clear here, especially for those who go listen to the entire conversation, I'm not even trying to defend, and neither is Kyle, what Putin's point of view is here. This is important. And this is where I'm going to end if you want to get more information, you can go look at the interview itself. But the important point I want to drive home here is that nation states are going to act on the incentives of what's best for them, right? Ask yourself this. If there was a foreign country who was expanding a military alliance closer and closer to the border of the United States, and they were constructing dual-purpose missile launchers capable of not only striking down nuclear missiles, but capable of launching missiles that are tipped with a nuclear payload. If they were overthrowing and meddling in the elections and overthrowing leaders in countries along the border, and anytime someone you know who was like pro-America and like willing to trade with us and have alliances with us, no, that, that person would get taken out through one, one way or another and then someone who was hostile to us put in. Think about if all that was happening, but in the context of America, then ask yourself, what would Barack Obama do? What would Joe Biden do? What would George Bush do? What would Donald Trump do, right? And again, it's not that they're good, but we have to understand, you know, as Christians, that a lot of these governing leaders, they aren't good. But what we should be pushing people to do, even understanding the human limitations there and the flaws of the nation state, flaws that I go as far as to say are so bad that we should just abolish the whole thing. But even if you're not there, right, that's fine. But what standard should we be holding these leaders to? I think we have to recognize that neither side here is innocent. But for us that live in America, which is a lot of my audience, the American government's role in provoking tensions and escalating tensions between Russia and Ukraine and Russia and America, Russia and Europe in general, those are highly condemnable, highly condemnable. They're not justifiable in any context. We, by the way, we, I mean the American government 
has put its own interests, and not like the interests of like the safety of the American people, not even welfare of the Ukrainians or the people in Europe. They have put their own financial interests. They have put their own imperial interests in wanting to be the superpower of the world and wanting to control as much of the globe as they can. You know, it's funny. There's like a saying that every accusation is a confession, right? How much does our corporate media and politicians accuse Russia of wanting to be a world empire while they have military bases covering more than three quarters of the globe? That's what I'm going to leave you guys on. It's not acceptable. But even by the like flawed statist standards that we would hold America to, they wouldn't have acted any differently what Russia did. In fact, one could make an argument that if someone did the same things to America that have been done to Russia, the American government military might have reacted far more aggressively. Russia has killed plenty of innocent people, but look at the death totals of what they've done and compared to the death totals of what the American government has done in the Middle East, what they've done in Asia, what they've done in South America, and you'll come away with some different thoughts and conclusions. At least I hope you will. And that's my goal is to get you thinking, get you questioning these narratives, get you questioning these leaders. Again, all to the point of this, and this is my final point, all to the point of this, that our prayer should be for peace. Our prayer should be for our leaders to repent and turn to Christ. And our prayer as Christians should be to ask God to help us wherever we are in the world to intercede on behalf of his kingdom, to thwart these kingdoms of man in their war paths of destruction. We do that by preaching the gospel. We do that by being informed by what's going on in the world, not turning a blind eye to it. So that is what I will end on. Again, thank you guys for listening. Please check out the full interview if you want to listen to it. I think you'll find it highly enjoyable, highly informative, and we'll talk to you next week. The Biblical Anarchy Podcast is a part of the Christians for Liberty Network, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. If you love this podcast, it helps us reach more with a message of freedom when you rate and review us on your favorite podcast apps and share with others. If you want to support the production of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, please consider donating to the Libertarian Christian Institute at biblicalanarchypodcast.com, where you can also sign up to receive special announcements and resources related to biblical anarchy. Thanks for tuning in.